Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We've been discussing an exchange which took place just yesterday between New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and Judge Amy Coney Barrett in the confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and here's an interesting tangent. Uh, th- this morning, uh, the the producers and I were just shooting the breeze talking about uh, Senator Booker and his educational background. I, I kind of laid out some of that. He, uh, a Stanford graduate, went to Queens College as a Rhodes Scholar. Do you know Cory Booker was a Rhodes Scholar? Uh, and then later would get a law degree from Yale University. We then started talking about uh, his social life. As you know, he uh, was and may still be uh, dating Rosario Dawson. Well, here's the here's the tangential little observation I just made here in the in the newsroom, and you can see uh, you can get a look into the uh, into the broadcast studio by downloading the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services. Uh, you can get that uh, on your iPhone, your Android, wherever. But there's a, a camera that looks into the room here, and uh, if you log on there, you, you you may see we have a wall of television screens. I've got uh, like the cable news channels on there. I look at uh, KSL Five Television has. One. I watch the other uh, news station. Then there's there's one, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why this is the case, but uh, <laughs> we're tuned uh, to well, TBS, which is right now playing old episodes of Friends. And just a moment ago, as I was thinking about uh, Rosario Dawson, uh, girlfriend of uh, Senator Cory Booker, uh, <laughs> the episode starts playing where she makes a guest appearance. I, I don't remember <laughs> which uh, which episode it was. I don't have the audio on, but there uh, was Rosario Dawson uh, sitting up there next to Ross Geller <laughs> on Friends. Anyway, uh, I digress. I need to take just a moment to wrap up the, the last segment. There was an exchange uh, I wanted you to hear from uh, Judge Barrett after uh, after Senator Booker asked a question uh, regarding um, well, well, something that I just I, I found. Uh, you know, outside the bounds of of appropriate questioning for a uh, a hearing of this sort. So let me let me play for you again the question asked by Senator Booker. Then I'll give you Judge Barrett's response. Then we'll move on. In light that everyone who serves in that office has sworn an oath where they quote swear to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, I'm just asking you: Should a president commit themselves, like our, our founding fathers, I think, have a clear intention? like the grace that George Washington showed to the peaceful transfer of power. Is that something that presidents should be able to do? 
Now, keep in mind, this is, if you're listening to the last segment, this is the second time that Senator Booker has asked this same question. Uh, To the first time uh, it was asked, Judge Barrett said, listen, uh, it's clear that I'm trying, that you're trying to pull me into a political matter. uh, And for that reason, I'm going to decline to answer it. Just be inappropriate. He then asked the question, as you just heard. Here is her follow up response. One of the beauties of America from the beginning of the Republic is that we have had peaceful transfers of power and that disappointed voters have accepted the new leaders that come into office. And that's not true in every country. And I think it is part of the genius of our Constitution and the good faith and goodwill of the American people that we haven't had the situations that have arisen in so many other countries where there have been, um, where those issues have been present. So now I ask, why did this exchange happen? Well, it happened because when all is said and done, this hearing and the subsequent vote before the full Senate is merely a numbers game. Republicans have the numbers, and that's all that matters. Democrats do have the mic, and with it, they'll use it to do whatever advantage they can. And in election season such as this, you can expect to see advantage being sought at every possible turn. And I interpret this exchange uh, led by Senator Booker to be exactly that. And and whether or not that was good or bad uh, depends on your politics, but that's how I interpret it. All right. Now, we got to shift gears here pretty dramatically. Uh, That was some cleanup from the last segment. Uh, Now I want to talk to you about, uh, and time, shoot, is really tight. I want to talk to you about the impact that COVID-19 has had on the military. Now, there are certain strategic considerations to be made, uh, and some of the data which was originally made available, including infections at uh, Utah's Hill Air Force Base, were made public. Right, we we uh, at one time during this outbreak, we had an understanding of how many members of the military uh, were infected. We knew much about what was going on at different bases around the country. Well, uh, that that information has been rolled back a bit. All right, it is now uh, more difficult and in many cases impossible to know exactly what's happening uh, at uh, military installations throughout uh, the country and throughout the world. And I have no problem with that. In fact, the first time. I came across uh, a stat which revealed how many uh, servicemen or women were infected with COVID-19. I thought, um, you know that, uh, like, say, the Chinese or the Iranians, there are a number, the Russians, there are many would-be adversaries out there who, you know, with their own Google machine are able to uh, (laughs) view exactly this information and see, oh, okay, well, uh, we know that their force is this strong and they are uh, depleted by this number. And, oh, look, they're concentrated in this area. All right. I I don't want to get too far down the road of speculation, but revealing weakness is not typically (laughs) a a strategically wise approach to things. And for that matter, uh, I believe... uh, a wise decision to roll back uh, a little bit of the the transparency that goes into revealing exactly how sick members of the military are. Now, with that said, and the reason why I've brought up this topic of the impact of COVID-19 and the military is because Utah's Hill Air Force Base has been selected by the Air Force, big Air Force, to to participate in a, a surveillance testing study. It is designed to get a a better uh, sense of how uh, military installations are able to handle uh, contraction of the the COVID-19 virus. And uh, and not much is known about this study. 
And I think that that, again, for the same reasoning I shared with you a moment ago, is a good thing, is a very good thing. Uh, one thing I learned in, in uh, researching this topic here and trying to get as best uh, an understanding of this study as I could, uh, which, again, as, as I said, is not much known. There is simply a, uh, a very specific and relatively uh, exclusive study taking place right here in Utah. There are three other Air Force bases around the country which are taking part in this study, Hill Air Force being one of those four. Uh, th- there was an interesting thing that uh, I-, I was unaware of this. It has since changed, but there was a time, there was a time in the initial days of the COVID-19 outbreak that the Department of Defense had made the decision not to, not to allow, not to allow anyone who had previously contracted COVID-19 and then recovered to join the military, either enlist or uh, receive a commission. That has uh, since changed. I think that change is a good thing. We've uh, you know certainly come to understand much uh, better the uh, the differences or, or rather the ways of recuperating from the uh, COVID nineteen virus. Uh, and the last <clears throat> the last detail I encountered as I was uh, preparing uh, to to have this conversation with you was a, a heartbreaking reality. And this comes from the Army Chief of Staff uh, James uh, McConville. He just yesterday says that he sees a direct correlation between COVID-19 and a rise in troop suicide. A direct correlation between COVID-19 and the rise in troop suicide. We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, I'm going to share with you the words of Chief of Staff McConville. And then I'm going to share with you some of the attitudes held by Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager, the first man to break the sound barrier. How did he deal with adversity? How did he overcome that which at one time seemed to be impossible? We'll dig into it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.